chapter 19. Say we're looking at Britain's Got Talents. We're looking at two stories, fairly similar, probably two different stories, but there's some principles which I found personally very helpful and hopefully will be a blessing to us as a body. So let's look at Luke chapter 19 and starting at verse 11. As they heard these things, what things? See, we need to read the Bible in context. We just had the story of Zacchaeus, which we did at Family Zone. I wonder if this was Zacchaeus' first sermon that he heard. Jesus proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Jesus said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom And then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he had returned, having received the kingdom, (laughs) my goodness, there's a lot in that. But I'm not looking at that today. But God will have his way. When he had returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten more minas. He said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. He said to him, you are to be over five cities. Then another came, said, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you do not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. They said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, Even what he has will be taken away. Just before I read the last verse, I wonder what's on your fridge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love you with an everlasting love. Maybe you've got a little fish with a smiley face. I just challenge myself to look at what Jesus also says. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. That is Jesus, our meek and mild Jesus tapping on the door. That is our Jesus. We worship a holy and superb God who hates sin and hates disobedience. Hmm. Don't mean to be heavy, just sort of, it's important to preach the whole gospel, isn't it? Matthew 25, if you'd like to turn to that, please. 
here we have a very similar story. And this will be the main story that um, we'll be having a little browse through. So again, Jesus is uh, teaching about the kingdom of heaven. He teaches the parable of the, of the ten virgins, five who are wise, five who are foolish. And you can have a look at that in your own time. Jesus says, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. And he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents at once went and traded with them and made five more talents. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents. And he said, Master, you've delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Give me five. Oh, no, it was the other one, wasn't it? <laughs> I should have used that earlier, shouldn't I? Here are two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own interest, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. To he, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant out into outer darkness and the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much that you have given us your word, the Bible, this truth. Father, I pray you take my inadequacy, my halting words, Father, and would you just speak by your spirit to us? Lord, we just want to hear your voice. And Father, we want to act on what you say to us. We don't want to play around, Lord, because you are God. You are the sovereign king. Thank you, Jesus. Just simply want to look at three, three, little, three little things. First, what has God given us? 
Secondly, what do we do with what God has given us? And thirdly, really what is our personal response to what God has given us? So firstly, what has God given us? Well, the most fantastic thing God has given us is himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has given us an invitation into an eternal life, perfectly fulfilled, a glorious relationship within the Godhead. That's what he's offering to us. That, that invitation to come into that relationship within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know I've mentioned it before. Can I please recommend the book to you, The Good God by Michael Reeves? It's a short book, which is why I was able to read it. It's quite a fun book. It is packed with truth about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because we believe in a God who is three in one. Not any old God, the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What has God given us? He gave us Jesus. We've heard about it during the worship time and again. Through Jesus' death, through his resurrection, he has made a way for us to enjoy that, that rapture, that glory of having that relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were, Steve and I were practicing. You wouldn't think it really, would you, when we play? But we were practicing and we were singing The Greatest Day in History. And it just came out. I went, the greatest day in history so far. Here's a little thought. I'm not saying this is gospel. Here's something to think about over your lunch. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus were cataclysmically fantastic in making the way for us to come back to the Father. But here's the thought. Maybe the greatest day in history is when we are in back, return to that perfect communion. No more sin, no more sighing. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. But never, ever would I decry the value of the cross, the blood of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension. They are core parts of what we believe. What is... What do we do about what God has given to us? What do we do about it? Well, the Bible here makes it very clear. It talks about the master. Now, for you Doctor Who fans, anybody remember the 70s when Doctor Who was proper? You know, Don John Pertwee, proper, proper, proper things, not all this modern stuff. And they used to be the master, didn't they? The, sort of the baddie. I don't watch the new series, so tried, but I didn't get it. But there was the master. He was like the baddie. But that's not our God. He is the master. He is the goody. <laughs> He's the goody. The master is just a picture of God himself. But here's the thing. Here's the battle that's always going on in my head. Is Jesus the master of my life? Is he the one who's on the throne of my life? Why do I spend the majority of my time trying to wrestle him from that position? By thinking that I know best. By thinking that he doesn't understand or empathize. By thinking that my plans and my thoughts aren't worth praying about. And I don't think it's only me. At the last prayer and vision, David 
shared from Proverbs 16. I'd like you to turn to it, if you would, please. Nothing like the rustling of Bibles, is there? This dear man often shares things, and it can just slip under the radar. But it's prophetic. And this, I found these words in Proverbs 16, very prophetic words. It says here in Proverbs 16, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Drop down to nine. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And David said to us, not in a heavy way, but just in a fatherly way, we need to pray about what we're doing. We need to pray about what we're planning. The thoughts, yes, we've got the gift day and so forth coming up, and we will pray about that. Of course we will. But in some of the smaller things in life, we need to be led by the Spirit. I was on the verge of booking for Julia and I to go and spend a few days in Portugal. And I'd been looking at the website, and I was thinking, yeah, this would be quite a good thing to do. But as David read that scripture, I just knew inside, I hadn't asked God about it. I think that's knocking outside, isn't it? No? Okay. But I realized I hadn't spoken to God about it. Well, I didn't book it in the end. You know, we need to apply the word of God to our everyday lives. We are the servants of Jesus. And he did call us his friends, didn't he? He said, Jesus said, I call you friends. And we are brothers and sisters of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus, yes. But also, let's not become over-familiar with him. Yeah? Because he is the sovereign Lord. He is the sovereign Lord. He is a good father. But it's so important that we never lose our reverence for God. Never lose our reverence for him. He is the master. Let's lay our plans and our thoughts before him. Do you notice what the master did? He gave the talents or the meanness. He gave to his servants according to their ability. You know, why does he have that and she have that and I only have this? And I thought, well, what's, what's the word to deal with that? And I thought, one simple word, get over it. <laughs> just get over it. God has given me this and you that. That's just the way it is. Let's not waste our energy in worrying about who's got what and why. Because God knows what's best for us because he is a good father. I'm not sharing here anything that we don't already know. God has our best interests at heart. But if you look in the margin in your Bible, if you've got the new ESV, um, you'll see, and various commentators will, will give you a rough guide. They'll say that a mina, which we were talking about, the value of that is about three months' money. It's not bad, is it? And a talent could possibly be ten years' money. So even one had considerable value. You think, well, before God, I've not got a lot. I'm not like, you know, I can't play and I can't preach and I can't. But even what you have 
is of great value because it's God that has deposited that within you. Because we're talking about, the, we're talking about parables, parables are principles of the kingdom. And we have a loving Heavenly Father that wants to work with us to build those principles into our lives. So, I know what's best, of course. As I've said before from the front here, had a real radical encounter with the Lord in 1983. It, it absolutely changed my life. The first thing I wanted to do was to go to Bible college and so and so forth. It was seven and a half years before I went to Bible college. I used to work every Sunday. I continued to work every Sunday for the following four years. I come home in the evening, so I say, Julia, how was church this morning? Oh, it was great. We had Ian Andrews. Oh, we had Bryn Jones this morning. Oh, it was so prophetic. The worship was... And there I was working. And then follow, after those four years, another three and a half years of working alternate Sundays. It was tough, but God built in the character and is still building it. He built it. He knew best. I longed to go straight into Bible college, but I needed to learn what it was like in the real world and spend time in there. Maybe to deal with, get a bit more compassion into my heart. We have a God who might give us a little, but let's use what we have and see what he'll do for his kingdom. You notice the two servants that traded their talents. One of the things they rewarded with was to enter the joy of their master. Have you noticed, say it quietly, but have you noticed those who contribute little to the kingdom often don't have a lot of joy? You notice that? Always moaning, always struggling, not happy with the leadership, struggle generally with authority, no submission, unwilling to serve, because they're not using the little they have. Therefore, they have little joy. You know, being around the church long enough, I've got a grey beard now, so I can stroke it and be all wise. But I've seen it time and time and again, the energy that is wasted. And yet, one or two have said, you know what? Enough is enough. Blow this for a lark. I'm going to stop blaming everyone else, and I'm going to get hold of God, use the little I have, and I'm going to invest in the kingdom. What follows? A tough time and joy. Not an easy time, a tough time and joy. Stubborn and lazy Christians lack joy. Enjoy this? It's good, isn't it? But it's, you know, if that's me, I can repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I choose to follow you. Give me the grace to have a fresh start with you. And he'll do it. I'm coming to the end of the heavy bit, so don't worry. But it, it, it gets a bit intense. But if you look at the end of Matthew 25, verse 30, look what happens to the servant who doesn't even use the little that they have. Darkness, separation. It's not good. And it's in the book. I wish I could say, well, Jesus, we'll just give you a cuddle and say, there, there, I understand you can't be bothered. But, but it's not like that. really been enjoying some of the books by John Piper over the last couple of years. 
And uh, he makes a suggestion in his book, Desiring God. He says this. He said that we are, mis- we are mistaken to define true Christianity in terms of decisions rather than affections. So we are mistaken to define true Christianity in terms of decisions rather than affections. We can make a decision to follow Jesus, or we're going to be obedient. But in a way, that creates very little transformation. We can make a decision, but our heart could be far away. We've spent many years in a church environment where we just believe, brother, and we're going to stand. And actually, your affections aren't there. Jonathan Edwards, the wonderful man of God from many years ago, he said, true religion in part consists in the affections. So the master gives him for his servants something to invest. They have a choice what to do with it. And I believe, as I've been saying, that we have a choice what to do with the investment that God has put into us. But it's not just about making a decision. I really believe God wants our affection. Preaching today, it's not about, oh, you've got to do more. Oh, I better volunteer for the kids' work then. Oh, goodness, that'll shut him up. It's not that. It's firstly about investing in our relationship with him and our affection for God based on the word of God. And from that, what will come, will come. God desires our affection, not a gooey, sentimental, dare I say, subjective, subjective um, affection, but an affection based on the truth of the word of God. We sang that song earlier, didn't we? I love you, Lord. Do I? Yeah, I think I do. I love you, Lord. Have my affections. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this. This is 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Anyone here who's not seen him? Anyone who's not seen him now? Yeah? Okay. Quite a few. That means some of you have. That's quite exciting. (laughs) It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Amen. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Did you notice something about the lazy servant? He still had to put some effort into doing nothing. Have you done that? I've done that. You put effort into, doing, put effort into getting away with, put an effort into not having to do something. You run around the house, draw all the curtains, you park the car in the garage, and you hide just in case someone comes up the drive to say, can you join our prayer chain? You know, a lot of effort. Why not just join the prayer chain and be done with it? (laughs) He had to dig a hole. He's probably worried about someone digging it up, someone taking it. Fear. Let's not be Christians to put energy and effort into being disobedient. Speak to myself there. Why don't we do it God's way in the beginning (laughs) and save all the grief? 
in a previous job, um, part of my job was to go to funerals, and I went to dozens and dozens of funerals, because I worked with the elderly, dozens and dozens of funerals. And what used to break my heart, and I'm sure this is true for a few of you, you know what's coming up? The song that people would have as the coffin went out? My way. I did it my way. You know, and, and the strong, charismatic, right-wing, word-filled person in me thought, yeah, that's the problem, you did it your way. But since, you, your heart breaks, doesn't it? My friend, that is the problem. That is the problem. I do it my way. And yet we have here this wonderful truth, this wonderful love letter that says, do it his way. Regrets, I've had a few. Well, I'm sorry, mate, that's not enough. <laughs> Regret and repentance are two different words. But here's some good news. You want a bit of good news? Want a bit of good news? Yeah. <laughs> Not if you support my football team, you don't. But here's the good news. Those who acted on the master's investment, they entered his joy. They had a little they were given more, and some even more than the more. Just think of the promises. Think of the dreams that we have as a church. Think of the, think of the things that God has said to us, miracles over us as a church. I wonder what God could do as we're obedient, taking little steps. It's very exciting. I think our dreams as a church will come out of our obedience and our affection. And we are a church that loves Jesus, and that's wonderful. Now, even in this room today, we have someone who's been out on the streets two nights in a row, just caring in the world, people getting stuck in. Do you clean the toilets before the art group come round? You're down there shoving the old harpic down, scrubbing away, so you can bless the people that come to the art group. There's a reward in that. God sees your heart. You're a good steward of little. God will trust you with more. Do you serve the coffees on Sunday morning, but it's not really your thing? Well done. Well done. God will reward you. So what is my personal response to what God has given me? Well, again, I'm drawn back to what David was saying about the widow's might. Do you remember the story? The lady that had the two tiny little coins that weren't really worth anything. She went up to the temple and just dropped them in, in amongst all the people giving their huge amounts of money. And as David reminded us, that the, the actual coins had no inherent financial value, but it was the great spiritual significance of what she was doing. It may be that you shake and you get your stomach turns because you think, well, perhaps I'll just ring Fred up and encourage him and, and tell him God wants to bless him with Psalm 23 and I'm not very good at this and what if I'm wrong? Maybe for you that's a big hurdle. Have a little go. It's a long time since someone's phoned me up with a scripture or emailed me with a scripture of encouragement. But it's a while since I've done that for others too. Let's encourage one another. Let's use the little we have. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, we can invest time and energy in our relationship with God. Spend quality time in, in God's word. Can I dare to say, invest time 
in hearing the teaching that we give here at Beacon. I say this really carefully. God TV, Premier Radio, good, great, love Jesus, good. But as a body, we need to hear what God is saying to us and put our energy into this. If we've been looking at the kingdom for the last eight or nine weeks, and maybe you're spending hours and hours doing a series on trust through God TV, that's good, but actually, we are a body. We need to be together. Yeah, dip in, find out what's going on. Get blessed with the background music. Fantastic. But let's give ourselves to what we believe God is saying to us. The elders say kingdom of God, so I believe we should invest our time and our energy in the kingdom of God. Yes, be aware of what else is there. Don't be blinkered, just, oh, it's only beacon and nothing else. Be open, but our heart, our core is, what is God saying to us? Miracles over us as a church. Lord, how can I pray for that? Should I pray for so-and-so's headache? Whatever. I also believe that the talent, I'm kind of putting it on its head, but God is giving us an opportunity and an invitation to address some of the unhealthy issues and stuff in our life as he reveals them to us. Remember I spoke on the elephant in the room uh, a few months ago? You know, it's that thing about a person. It's blooming obvious to everybody, but no one wants to say it. You know, someone comes in and they're sort of hopping like that, and you go, so, do you have a good week, George? Oh, yes, not too bad. Um, how's the wife and kids? Not too bad. And you want to say to them, why are you hopping? But you don't want to upset them. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah? Do you, do you find it? Maybe, and it's as the Lord reveals the elephant in your room, disappointment, some of these things which Steve has has covered again. Hear the download. Listen again. Ask God to help you through. Disappointment, anger, childish behavior, unresolved resentment. It's a good list, this. Pent-up grief, bitterness, regret, self-loathing. These are all things which can be part of our lives more than others. I believe the Lord's offering an opportunity for us to seek him to maybe resolve some of these things. We can invest time in praying and serving the body. I believe we can invest time in praying for and serving the poor. And that's going on through food bank and people around the room this morning yawning because they've been street pastoring, serving God out on the streets. That is a good investment. A good investment. Well, I, I, I can't go on the street, but I could pray. Then pray. It has so much value. Thrilled yesterday morning to hear this scripture. It was 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 3, 18. And it says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Wow. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is only God that can transform us. This is not self-help. Oh, well, I I fell out with a member of my family, so now Julian's having a go at me. I suppose I better get it sorted out. No, it is God. It is God who transforms. Anyone here had transformed? God has done something in your life. You know, you've changed. 
it's annoying because only that one thing changes and then another thing pops up, doesn't it? But God is in the healing and the transforming business. Interesting in that scripture, I'm not going to unpack it in a great way, but all the, did you notice it said, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. What's their position? Their position is they are gazing on the Lord. What is our position as a church? In all the busyness and all the stuff we're doing, we are focusing and gazing on the Lord. In our personal time, when we come together, when we have prayer and vision, what do we start with? Worship. We don't come in with a shopping list. We come to worship. Father, we're so grateful for who you are. For those who aren't Christians, what's the personal response? Well, it's, it's pretty bad news to reject the teaching of Jesus, and the Bible's very clear on that. The end of the passages show the severe punishment for those who reject God's invitation. It's a, it's a pastor's nightmare for me to say this, <laughs> but if you don't follow Jesus, there's only one place you're going to go. And it wasn't created. It was created for the devil and his angels. That's why Jesus died. So that by saying, Jesus, become Lord of my life, we can escape that. And we also get the great fun of being with God forever. But hell and separation from God is a very, very real place. Do not go there, please. Ask Jesus to show you. Yes, question, why is there suffering and why does all this happen? And if God is a God of love, valid questions. I'm not belittling that. But the bottom line, ask Jesus to become Lord of your life. So important. We will all stand before him and give an account. Any, anyone see the one show on Friday evening? One show. Am I the, you're probably watching God TV, were you? <laughs> one show on Saturday. Well, there was a very well-known um, disc jockey who they were interviewing who'd been... Um, disc jockeying for 50 years, you know, Radio Caroline and Luxembourg, and then came onto Radio 1. Um, nice guy. And he said at the end, he said, well, I don't, believe, I don't believe there's a God, he said. Don't know where that came from. He said, I don't believe there's a God. But if there is, you know, I think that I'd say, well, I've been a good person and I've not really hurt anyone and, you know, I, I, there's been disability in my family and I've kind of helped them and so, yeah. And everyone goes, ah, oh, isn't that nice? That is desperate. I almost wanted to shout at the television, no, no, there is only one way. And we could pay a terrible price for saying this one day. Jesus Christ is the only way. His death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, he is the only way, the only way to have hope, hope when, when we die. James 1, 22, it says this, one we all know quite well. It says, be ye, be ye doers of the word and not merely hearers. We go, oh yes, because what does it say? Be doers of the word and not mere hearers only, as we would then be deceived. We can hear this word about Jesus and salvation and go, well, yeah, yeah, that's, um, mm, yeah, mm, something to think about there. But if we don't act on it, we're deceived. People will be lost. 
personal application. Again, did you hear David's prophetic word? I think it was during the worship. He was talking about the sand in the desert. Anyone remember that? How good are we at remembering? Or is this the August fill-in preach? You're waiting for a September when God comes back from holiday, no? It's, he talks about the winds getting, you know, life is like the sand. and The wind comes, it all blows, it's all messy and it's just all over the place. And then it settles down again in a kind of a new formation or whatever. And it was just, and, it, and the sense of what David was saying is, God, you know, God is doing that in our lives. Everything seems to be all over the place, but he's bringing something new. I hope I've done that justice. That really spoke to Julie and I and, and, and strongly confirmed something that we sense God saying to us. So we're acting on the word. Um, we're going to act on the word. Um, we're going to take, take in a few humbling steps <laughs> as a result of that. We're going to lay down some responsibilities that we have. I'm going to go back and do some more Bible training. Just during, not, not leaving, don't worry. Going to spend some time with worship worshippers, worship leaders, get equipped, learn from them, pick more stuff up, get equipped. Also going to invest time in facing some of the elephants in my room. Because if you can't say it, if you don't do it yourself. It's tough. It's a kingdom investment. It hurts. Makes you want to cry. But I believe it's about the kingdom I believe it's, it's one of the things God has given to me and said, okay, son, are you going to bury it in the ground? Are you going to put it in your handkerchief or are you going to face it with my grace and my help? So that's what we're going to do. Steve and I were swapping a few e- emails as I was coming to prepare this word and he said, he just wrote this, he said, are we willing to take risks and trust that God will bring a yield and fruitfulness? I wonder, are you willing to take a risk? Take a risk for the kingdom? I don't think it's just about talents, because talents is a bit of an unfortunate word, because we think, oh, I'm good at singing, therefore I should volunteer to sing at the front. It's, not a, it's just whatever God gives us. And there's a lot of stuff in our lives, and I think God is revealing stuff to us. What will we do with that? Will we bring it back to him and seek his seek his refreshment and his deliverance in these areas. I'll leave all that. Because even as I was chatting to Steve this morning, it's about character. Miracles over this church? Yes. We're going to see healings in this church? Yes. Did Bob see healings on the street yesterday? Yes. God is so good. When we have that offering day, I would love the Holy Spirit to come, just lay his hands on the basket, and for us to see what has been given multiplied. It's in the book. Yes, we take personal responsibility. Yes, we prayerfully decide what our part is in it. But how exciting if God multiplies what is given What do I hope the offering is on that day? I hope it's five fish and two loaves, or is it the other way around? Loaves and fishes. Lord, multiply it. But I believe it's about character. 
and power. We want to see power. We want to see people set free. But brothers and sisters, we need the character. And I think part of it is going back to God's word with some of the stuff that we have inside us that God, I believe, wants to help us resolve by the power of his spirit. What has he given us? He has given us himself. Jesus. It's magnificent. What do we do with what God has given us? We have to make choices or just let it fade away. What's my personal response to what God has given me? I'm going to take a deep breath, take his hand and say, Father, haltingly and scarily, I am going to act and let you bring the growth. And Father, may there be a transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives as we step out and respond to you. I'm going to finish with this and then, we'll, then we're going to sing a good old hymn. Yes. I was thinking about carpet cleaning, as you do. I don't know if anyone else gets their Bible and goes, Lord, I'm really going to read your word and, cool, that plant needs watering. And, oh, goodness, I haven't phoned Auntie Dot and, oh, and I'm sure so-and-so is upset with me on Sunday. And then, you, no, no, I'm going to. Well, part of my Bible reading preparation is you look at the carpet. And there's a bit on the carpet, so you go down, and you, this will look good on the tape, won't it? And you pick up the little bits that are on the carpet. Or you can go to the kitchen, get the dustpan and brush them. Or, is it a little U-bank, those old hands? We had to take turns when we were growing up in sweeping under the table. Or you can have a hand brush. If that doesn't work, use the old hoover. You know, we got it out of the paper for 30 quid, and it's... Old faithful, more dust coming out the back as you're hoovering. Bear with me, Joe, I'm getting there. <laughs> or you can get a Dyson, can't you? All clever, that does clever things and is expensive. Back in the 90s, do you remember the Vax? The Vax that sort of squirted the water and then heated the carpet. Levels, hand, brush, hand, carpet cleaner, old hoover, Dyson. Or... You can get a man with a big van in that brings one of these huge industrial cleaners and and the muck and the filth that comes out is astonishing. I remember once, I think it was Esther Ranson, she was asked to test one of these carpet cleaners and uh, she thought it was a big con. So she vaxxed and cleaned her carpets really, really well and then she got the man in. And he came in with the industrial cleaner and all the chemicals and the muck and rubbish that came out of that carpet that had already been cleaned was astonishing. It's just a picture of me of my life, really. Lord, yeah, I'll pick a few bits up, yeah. Well, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I was cross about that. And Lord, I'm sorry I didn't forgive so-and-so the other day. I really believe the Lord wants to go deeper. Can we be Beacon Shag Pile Deep Clean Carpet Church? (laughs) Again, genuinely not wanting to be heavy, but I really believe the Lord is so good. He's so lovely. Holiness befits your house, which I think we heard earlier on. We can't make ourselves holy. We can only say, Father, help me as I bring these areas of my life that I'm struggling with to you. Only you can make me holy. 
if Margaret and John would like to join me. I'm going to swap microphone, but I'd like to finish by singing a wonderful old hymn. It's I Need Thee Every Hour. Do you remember that? What a wonderful hymn. And this isn't to reminisce, this isn't to go back to the good old days, because some of them weren't that good. But just, just listen to, the, to, to um, verse 4. It says, I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. Hallelujah. Margaret, if you want to, if you'd like to stand.